Welcome back to Frank Friar Fridays. This is Father Patrick Bikowskis broadcasting from St. Dominic Priory in St. Louis, Missouri. And it's certainly good to be back with you. By the time you hear this, I'll have been out of quarantine. I've been um, on the mend the last 10 days. And it's been uh, not the best of experiences, but certainly not the worst either. I'm sure that the the vaccine helped a great deal, even though I still got the virus. It was very much like flu and not the worst case of flu I've ever had, but I'm not very good at being sick. And so I uh, had to muscle my way through it, but I got through to the other side. I also got the, the, um, the monoclonal antibodies uh, treatment earlier this week, and that certainly helped as well. So thank you all very much very much for your prayers. Also, since I've last recorded, I was able to get to Purdue and St. Thomas Aquinas and spend a lovely day with my many friends there. And what a great blessing that was to be able to share that uh, farewell. And certainly it's not a goodbye. It's a, a fare thee well means we hope we'll uh, do well in our journeys together. And I certainly don't think it'll be the last time that we see one another, God willing. I am going to begin today with a prayer for all of those who are experiencing the effects of the coronavirus. This is a prayer that's been prepared by the Catholic Health Association, which is headquartered here in St. Louis. Merciful God, Hear our fervent prayer for all who suffer from the coronavirus. May those who are infected receive the proper treatment and the comfort of your healing presence. May their caregiver, caregivers, families, and neighbors be shielded from the onslaught of the virus. Give solace to those who grieve the loss of loved ones. Protect and guide those who strive to find a cure. That their work may conquer the disease and restore communities to wholeness and health. Help us to rise above fear. We ask this all through the intercession of our Lady of Lords, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. So today we are going to wrap up a little bit of a description of my experience in Africa. Again, thanks be to God for my friends, mostly those in Purdue, but there were others as well who contributed and made this extraordinary gift possible for me to go on safari in Africa. And I left off with my time uh, in the first camp in Lewa. And it's a beautiful park quite close to, well, within a few hours of Nairobi. So we drove there. They, um, I'm sorry. Lay was the second camp. I've already talked about the first camp that I went to. Uh, Lay was the second camp, and that's run by the Nature Conservancy, and that's a private camp. Um, there we saw a lot of rhinos. And the the end of my, my first day there, I ended up in the middle of a, a pride of lions. There was about nine of them. And it's at once a scary thing and an impressive thing as well. I don't think I mentioned this in my first episode, but I've told this story so many times. We were in the midst of all these lions and I didn't want to say anything to the driver, but I really needed to go to the bathroom. And so finally 
when we left, I told them that I needed to, and so we drove a little bit away. I think I, this is sounding familiar. I think I've mentioned this all already. Um, anyway, we, I was able to relieve myself. He called it checking the tires. We, we've used that expression several times as we moved on to other camps. All the guys had the same expression. It means you go to the back of the Jeep and, and relieve yourself, but I've never had to worry about lions or <laughs> some other animal whenever I've done that in the past. Um, on that trip, I was um, sharing our guide with a newlywed couple from Astoria, Queens, Ilya and Ileana. Really lovely couple on their honeymoon. They've been married months before, and it was uh, uh, a delay, of course, because of COVID, but they finally got to go on. And they were the really perfect travel companions. They, they joined in and and included me in just the right amount of conversation. And they would ask me if I wanted them to join them for dinner, which was a very nice thing to do. I don't mind dining alone, but it was nice to, to be with them. It was uh, Ileana's first time in Africa, but Ilya's second. Uh, they had begun in Uganda, and then they went to, um, they were going to go to uh, Tanzania and Zanzibar after. Zanzibar is mostly, I think, a place for going to the beach. Um, I don't know what they do. Uh, we never talked about that. The other couple I was with as well, we never really talked about those sorts of things. We talked about all kinds of other things, but not necessarily what we do. My uh, flight the day after leaving Lewa was uh, the very definition of a puddle jumper. We had four landings in 90 minutes, and all of them were very smooth and uneventful, and the, the scenery was just extraordinary. And, and I don't think I mentioned um, about this honeymoon couple. Ilya and Ilyana were both born in Russia. They both left as children, and they didn't meet until they were adults. Really extraordinary. There was I was reminded of my time in Indonesia because the last night that we were both in in um, Lewa, they asked me if I wanted to join them because they had a special honeymoon dinner prepared for them at the camp and they wanted me to join them and I said no no I will not be part of your honeymoon dinner which reminded me of my time in in, in uh, Indonesia when the couple uh, asked me to join them in Bali on their honeymoon um, that was that's a whole nother story so I'm, I was in I was in Masai Mara for four nights and and uh, really had another just sumptuous uh, uh, combinations. It looks like a tent from the outside, but it doesn't look anything at all like an, a tent from the inside. Beautiful veranda. Uh, I, it, you could sit out and look out over a, a marsh, but there were no mosquitoes. I, I, I may have mentioned this as well. I'm not exaggerating. I saw far more elephants than I saw mosquitoes. Uh, here in, in Masamara, we were about uh, one degree south of the equator, but we're at um, right at a mile high. So because of the elevation, it's not very hot. In fact, it's quite comfortable. It's beautiful, uh, even though it's right at the equator. Um, you know, I, I do think that one of the things that kept coming back to me and was reflecting, and I went ahead had experiences with these couples, is you know traveling on my own and of course I, I, I would like to travel with others and I, I think I'd asked uh, and maybe again I may have mentioned this and asked others but 
people were nervous, but I don't regret at all taking the opportunity, being able to go uh, when I did and and still have money left for another really wonderful trip somewhere. Maybe it will be this coming year, maybe it will be another year. But I think that when we have these experiences, and I always think about this, whether it's a mission trip or a trip for, for social reasons, that God puts us in these places for reasons. And the people that we encounter there and the conversations that we have, and we may not even know why, uh, we have these encounters until we're with God in heaven, but you do get to see extraordinary things, and it was a very restful time for me as well. I mean, amongst all these extraordinary examples of God's creations, when I was at Masai Mara, I spent most of the days, so I was there four days, I think maybe two and a half days with a couple from California named Anna and Flobex. They lived outside of Oakland. I think they were teachers. I'm not sure. They had six children. There was a blended uh, marriage. They had six children between the two of them. Really lovely couple. And again, perfect traveling companions. We just we talked just when we needed to, and we we were able to keep to ourselves. Um, we would leave a little bit earlier on our afternoon trips. We left about 3:30, but we would come back about 6:30. So it was about a three-hour trip. The first two and a half hours. On our first night, we didn't see a thing um, that, well, we didn't see anything I hadn't seen already. But then uh, we came across this huge pond, and it was filled with crocodiles and hippopotamus. It was way too many to count. I, I did try to start counting them. It was impossible. Uh, and I was kind of led to believe that, I, I don't know, the way I'd asked the question in some other camp or some other park, made me think I wasn't going to see crocodiles at all on this trip, but certainly that was not the case. And our guide said that we saw something that he had never witnessed. There was crocodiles mating. And so I thought, well, wow, that's really an exciting way to end the day. And so we, I thought we're headed on our way back. And in Lewa, we had spent, although we saw lots of wonderful things in Lewa, we had really been trying to see through the help of our guides, cheetah and leopards, which are two of the big five things, and they're hard to find, and we never saw any in Lewa. But then, on the way back, uh, we saw two cheetahs, and the guy said they were brothers, and they were eating their prey, which was a young toki. And I captured the whole thing on video, and it's, I'll admit, it's a bit gruesome. Uh, they take turns, so they'll sort of like start eating the, the, their prey, and the other one will keep its head up, looking around and what they're looking around for is hyenas because they're actually they're actually afraid of hyenas because hyenas have very powerful jaws and for something like that for a smaller cat like a hyena the uh hy the I mean, i'm sorry like for um a cheetah the hyenas can make pretty short work of them so they'll 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 be eating their prey and one way be watching and do they keep going back and forth and back and forth but golly they are just really gorgeous. So then we, we watched that for a while, and we thought, well, now that here it is, now this is the end of the day for sure. But no, then we came across the, what is really the rarest of all game sites, at least was what I'm told, and we saw a leopard. And it was just sitting there. And it was, my goodness, what a beautiful, beautiful animal. Um, 
So the next day we had been um, out a bit. We were searching for rhino, which I wasn't so concerned about because I had seen them uh, in Lewa, but the, the other uh, travelers with me had not. And then, uh, this was a very early trip, we came across a sleeping uh, lions, a pride of them, quite, quite a few. There was a male and several females and cubs. I think there was nine in all. And then suddenly they all awoke, very clearly because of a scent that they had caught in the wind. And it was utterly quiet. And then we saw that a female from another pride had intruded into their space, and they all began to chase her down in rather formidable group. And I can't get used to that. This was my, not my first encounter with lions, but being so close to them. They seemed utterly oblivious to them, to us. Um, but I, I, I looked it up at one point, I think it was that night, because we can get very complacent about the, seeing these animals out there and, them, and us seeming oblivious to them. But last year, there was over 200 people killed by lions in Africa, and a, a, a roughly the same number by hippos and in a much greater number by cave buffaloes who look like these big dumb beasts. But like our, our, our guide reminded us at one time, my, one of my traveling companions had his leg sticking outside of the, the vehicle. He said, you really need to put your leg inside the vehicle. Uh, these are wild animals and you have to treat them like that. Um, so it was, um, a good lesson, and it's a sort of a you know a, a bit of a, a a a shocking thing sometimes to be so close to them, and you can't not, you cannot lose sight of the fact that they would if you were to step out of the vehicle, then the response would be uh, something very different. Um, but he uh, our guide takes care of us, and as I said, we would you know we would step out occasionally, but he would be very very careful about whenever we stepped out. More so, it seemed for snakes, he would walk around and around the the, the jeep, stomping the ground to make sure that there weren't any. There's a couple. You wouldn't. I don't think a python would necessarily attack us, but there's black mambas and um, some other poisonous snake that are very very. Uh, lethal. So he's always worried about us encountering a snake as well if we stepped out of the vehicle. Um, the last day and my last full day in, um, in Africa was uh, on July the 1st and I went up on my first ever balloon ride and it, we start when it's still dark and it's a rather spectacular view just to see them blowing up these things. I had no idea how they did it because it's the, they have to fill those envelopes that they, is what they call the balloon with air and it's just done manually. They, kept, they keep lifting it open and, and, and sort of shaking it like you would a gigantic blanket to get air in there because then the air has to be in there so then something is, can be heated up and they start blowing these gigantic gas uh, jets into the into the envelope. It takes about, it doesn't really take that long, maybe about 20, 30 minutes to get the thing filled up. Um, when I had seen them going up the day before from our camp, and I thought, oh golly, I thought they were going to go up much higher than that. 
But gosh, I'm certainly glad that we don't go up higher than that because then you were, then everything would be so small. But we're we just are. It seems just like a few feet above the treetops, and you can see all of these animals, and they're sort of startled looking at us. It's this this is not one of those occasions where you think that they're they've gotten used to us especially the elephants and they're looking up at us like like what on earth is that and then we see all these hippopotamus splashing and the birds oh my goodness the birds and to be above the birds right now that's that's a view that i've never seen before i can't imagine anything quite like it to to be floating around and seeing the birds below us I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that these men that, that guide our, our pilot, our balloon, they, they've seen it all before, but they say it never, they never get tired of it. It's so quiet. The only thing is that you hear the occasional burst of the flame coming from the, the jets. But otherwise, it's, it's utterly quiet, and it's guided by the breeze. There's, there is something that the guides do a little bit to... to get it going in particular directions, but mostly it's just the breeze that takes us. The, the, the whole basket weighs half a ton, I'm told, so around 1,000 pounds. Um, and I thought it was going to be a crowded experience, but it, it wasn't at all. It was just it was just lovely. I had a whole little corner section, took some really extraordinary pictures, was able to see the sunrise over the Masamara. Uh, I... I, I I, I think to see the sun rise in that way in this unimpeded vista, to look over the 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 the, the, uh, the grasslands and those these solitary trees that 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 spot the landscape, uh, the giraffe that are there and the elephants below us. Uh, gosh, I could have stayed up there for forever. And then it was time to go. You know, it was. And I felt like I was I was ready to go. Um, I was ready to return home, but not necessarily glad to go. Uh, I was only ready. Uh, could I stay longer? Sure. Um, but it's also it's not my world, and I I feel rested. I felt rested, and I felt connected to God's creations in in a way that I don't know if I've ever experienced. It's it's a sound of that's that's hypnotizing and the birds are they're always they seem to be harmonizing not squawking um, I was asked by Oliver my last guy what was my favorite park and I said that one Masai Mara but I don't know if that's true they were all different um, they all had different beautiful things to see different different animals uh, they're all extraordinary in their own way like the country is, uh, there's nothing like Africa. Um, I hope that that other people can see it, see this really extraordinary example of, of God's creation like nothing else, and recognize how very important it is for us to see how blessed that we are, how God has blessed us, and how we need to do all we can to protect God's blessings. And God bless you.